Francis, I understand that you've been traveling around. You've been in Nairobi lately. Yes, And yes, you've right. been doing um, a conference about uh, encant- encounters between uh, Catholics and Protestants in Africa. That's so right. would you please tell us what was the conference all about? So, okay, so I was um, invited to submit a paper last year um, for this conference that's been offered by the Jesuit Historical Institute in Africa. Mm. Uh, so just to tell you a little bit about who they are, we'll, we'll, we actually will have an interview with someone from the Historical Institute next week that you can listen to. But just to give you a sense, the, the Jesuits, there was a Jesuit father, Festo Makenda, and he had this real sense of there needs to be a place in Africa where people who are doing studies on African history and especially on studies around the work of the Jesuits in Africa can go where all the resources are in one place. So the, when he was studying, he did his doctorate, he found himself having to travel to South Africa. He came to look at the Cullen Library, which has excellent South African records. That That is a very good resource, but also the Bodleian in London, uh, in Oxford, sorry, the Bodleian Library. Um, also, there are libraries in the United States. And so as an African, often if you want to do really in-depth historical research, you end up having to travel to Georgetown, to New York, to um, Berlin, where you know many of the Berlin missionary records are housed. You need to travel to these places, which is very expensive in order to do studies. Mm. And uh, Festo had this vision of getting... Um, all the resources that he could find that pertain to African history in one place, and he he's based that at the Jesuit His, uh, Historical Institute, which is near to Hekima University, a Jesuit university in Nairobi, and he's starting to really collect just a huge amount of um, resources there. And also the Historical Institute does conferences. Mm. It, um, so it puts on historical conferences. And this year, uh, the big religious moment that we're celebrating is, of course, 500 years since the beginning of the Reformation. So mm. he was working in, con, um, in collaboration with Refo 500. So Refo 500 is a, a platform of Lutheran, Catholic, Anglican, um, uh, reformed Calvinist and post-reformed churches, universities, um, institutes all over Europe, but also all over the world because the consequences of the Reformation affected everyone uh, that Europe, everywhere that Europeans went, the Reformation and the consequences of the Reformation went too. Mm. Um, so the Reformation obviously began by Martin Luther when he nailed his various criticisms of the Catholic Church to the door and began the whole process of really um, protesting, protesting uh, what was going on in the church at the time. And then, of course, you have the beginnings with people like Ignatius of Loyola of the Catholic Reformation uh, leading to the Council of Trent. So there's a whole recognition and celebration of the changes, the changing from a medieval church to really the modern, the church of the modern world, uh, both in Catholicism and in the, the, the various protesting t- churches. And so there was, um, this year we're celebrating all of this and to celebrate it in Africa, 
the Jesuit Historical Institute launched this conference, Encounters Between Catholics and Protestants in Africa, and people were invited to submit papers, um, and the majority of the papers were, not surprisingly, from historians looking mm. at missionary endeavors across the continent, looking at encounters between different kinds of Christianity as they encountered each other in different places, looking at the interaction between uh, missionaries and um, colonialism, and that was kind of quite interesting. What was very interesting for me was realizing just how early the missionary uh, activity in Africa had begun. I think in my head I sort of have missionaries mostly hitting the Central Africa um, in the 18th century with the, the big scramble for Africa on the part of Europe, but actually realizing that actually there'd been a lot of missionary activity really from from the late 1500s onwards that I had been unaware of. So that mm. was interesting. Then there were also people talking about the modern era, about now, talking about encounters between Catholics and Protestants in different parts of Africa at the moment. Um, some of those encounters being good, some of those encounters being um, more problematic. Um, so it was a very, it was a very interesting, in terms of history, but also in terms of just the width of just getting a sense of the whole continent. Mm. Mm. So I hear you also talking about papers, and I would like to know what uh, papers really like strike you. Okay, so I think there were two that I, I can't forget, um, two or three. The one was a very interesting paper on Togo. So I think I'm interested in this because if you'd said to me a month ago, Francis, tell me something about Togo, mm. I would have looked at you blankly and gone, I think it's in Africa. <laughs> uh, now I know where it is and I know quite a bit about its history and I just I found it, it very interesting just to hear about a very different part of Africa. It's in West Africa. It's next to Ghana for those who Ghana is a much bigger country. Of course, Togo is a very, it's a very thin, narrow country running up from the sea line up into West Africa. And uh, it's, it has quite, I mean, it has quite a painful history in terms of uh, colonization. Togo was, was colonized first by the Germans. And then um, in the midst of the, the First World War, it was recolonized simultaneously by the French and the English. Um, so there was quite a lot of the, the, the people had uh, were really subjected to, to three different types of colonialism. Um, and they were talking about that. They were talking about very different styles of colonization, very different styles of evangelization. Um, they talked quite a bit about the different kinds of missions, the the Lutheran missions, which had a certain ethos, then the Anglican missions, which had a very different ethos, the Catholic missions, which were different again, um, and each of those missions being associated very strongly either with the Catholics with France, the Lutherans with Germany, and the Anglicans obviously with England, uh, Anglicans and Methodists, and just having a sense of what the people of Togo had experienced, um, and, and relating that a bit to to South Africa, although it's a very different story, there were some parallels that kind of were struck, struck me. Um, so to learning about Togo was interesting. Mm. The other story that really, really touched my heart was 
um, someone spoke about the Ugandan martyrs and then talked about modern Uganda. And that was a very painful story, I think. Um, so uh, in the in the 1800s, I can't remember the dates now, but in the 1800s, and, and we tell the story actually as part of one of our programs that we do in parishes when, we, when we're talking about our history as Africa, we tell the story of the Ugandan martyrs. And there was a king of Uganda, and um, he, he ordered the massacre, really, or the martyrdom of a whole group of Christians, both Anglicans and Catholics, who were martyred together. And some of them were, in fact, martyred because they protested against the, the others being martyred. So I can't, I, I need to have the history in front of me, but the, there was a real sense of they were martyred together. They were martyred over the series of months. Mm -hmm. um, 44, 45 people were martyred in total. Many were burned at the stake. Some were impaled, very horrifically tortured. Um, really profound stories of, of bravery and of, of staying with the faith. Um, and whenever I tell the story here in this context, uh, one of the things that people are struck by, and it's very unusual, it may be one of the only places, certainly in the 19th century, where you have um, people from different Christian traditions being martyred together, standing together, singing together. Really, there is a sense when you hear that story of them being at one with each other. They, they stood together um, and so that's a very powerful story of solidarity. Hmm. The person who was giving the talk was then pointing out that in Uganda, the way the political landscape has evolved, at the moment, people vote along religious lines. So if you're Protestant, if you're Anglican, you vote in one direction. And if you're Catholic, you vote in another direction. And there's great animosity between the two Groups And she was kind of talking about, we have this history of the Ugandan martyrs that should give us unity, but in fact, on the ground today, there is a great deal of animosity between different people of different denominations. Mm -hmm. And she was really just exploring the pain of her current reality in Uganda and exploring at the same time, uh, kind of remembering that they have this, this history of past solidarity under oppression. Mm. So that was quite a, a poignant paper. I really found that a moving paper. Mm. So I see you were selected amongst uh, the Jesus in South Africa to co-represent us there. I, I just would like to know what some of the preparations you have to, you have to do to prepare okay. yourself for to the To write conference. a paper. So I didn't write a historical paper. Mm. Mine was um, I was I was in the category of liturgy and uh, spirituality, so we were talking about uh, current experiences of ecumenism. Actually, uh, so we weren't so much dealing with the, the pain of ecumenism, but but, but with really a, for us a success story here in South Africa. So we talked about. Anne-Marie, Paul and Campbell and myself both went up to talk about our work at the Jesuit Institute, which is very ecumenical. So we're involved in the formation and training of spiritual directors. Uh, Anne-Marie spoke about the giving of the exercises ecumenically, and I spoke about training and formation. 
And that was, um, and we do that in a an ecumenical context, but because it's also a history conference, we talked a little bit about what we had realized, what we have realized over the years is that the kind of ecumenism that happens in South Africa is is pretty rare in the world, not just in Africa, but all over the world. When I when I send people uh, and I see them going off to other parts of the world, to Latin America, to North America, um, to to Europe, they often kind of come back and they say, oh, we find it more difficult to be ecumenical in whichever country they've gone to. Mm. And so we had spent some time thinking, well, why is South Africa so open to ecumenism? And the reason that we think is that our history, the struggle history of the country, in the struggle history, the churches played a critical role and they worked together. And you have all of these lovely stories of like Desmond, uh, Dennis Hurley being tried for treason, Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu sat in the trial, witnessing it, making sure that he was there in solidarity. Uh, Bayez Nodia in his memoirs writes of how both Hurley and Tutu visited him. We have many, many images of church leaders, religious leaders leading marches, leading funeral processions, standing in solidarity with each other. We have programs like Diakono. We had things like the Institute for Contextual Theology um, in the country, all of which were very ecumenical. And then I, I focused particularly on the writing and signing of the Kairos document, which was, of course, uh, a moment of, of great ecumenical collaboration at depth by theologians uh, in Soweto in the 1980s. So the sense that our struggle history, that there is a gift in the struggle history and that gift is the gift of openness to each other. And also, I think, a, a very strong, I hope it continues, but a very strong suspicion of the narrative of separate development, which was so dear to the heart of um, the apartheid thinkers, and that those who were in the resistance movement really came to be suspicious of that narrative. They were suspicious of it when they encountered it uh, in the state, and they became suspicious of it when they encountered it in their own traditions as well. And that has led us, I think, to have a real openness to ecumenism. Mm. And I remember when you came back, we have the conversation where I asked you, how, uh, how did the people receive you and how do they perceive South Africa? And <laughs> I was uh, kind of shocked by the answer I got to you when you said people, they mostly uh, wanted to know how xenophobia was in South Africa. That's I kind was, of scary thought. It was. So I was very struck. If you want to know how the rest of Africa perceives us, well, I was at a conference where there were, there were not many South Africans. There were many people from other parts of Africa. Um, many times at tea, at lunch, people would ask me about xenophobia. They would ask me about how dangerous South Africa is. There was a real sense of people being afraid of our country, afraid of the violence. You know, when we look at the fact that we rely on tourism and we rely on tourism from other parts of Africa as mm -hmm. well f to provide jobs, we need to think seriously about what we are doing. We are so violent 
the perception of the rest of Africa is that South Africa is an extremely dangerous place to visit. Mm. They're scared of us. They're scared of being attacked if they come to visit. I was asked repeatedly by people, would it be safe for me to visit? Isn't Johannesburg very dangerous? How do you live in such a dangerous place? Um, so it was, ex it, it was interesting to me that the perception, I'm speaking here of the perception, the perception of our African brothers and sisters is that this is not a nice place to come to because mm. we are so violent. And that was for me quite a wake-up call. It was like, wow, mm. this is how other Africans perceive us. They perceive us as being very violent and xenophobic. So that was, it wasn't part of the conference, but it was part of my experience of meeting people from other parts of Africa. Well, um, Francis, thank you so much for sharing with us your, uh, your, your experiences you had from Nairobi. It's very interesting. Yeah, well, me and you, we had conversations. We just wanted more of our listeners to get more information about what you experienced down there. So, yeah, it's really nice. Thanks, Pabla. Thank you. Mm -hmm.